0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number three of a teaching series that we're calling Faithful, and as I was praying last year about what God would want for Summit View Church and our focus and our direction to be this year, I heard the word faithful, which was not really what I was expecting at the time, but I started studying that out, and it brought me over to Matthew chapter 25, which brings us to our, our key verse that we're pulling this whole series from out of this story Matthew chapter 25, it says his master said to him, to, to one of his servants, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Now enter into the joy of your master. And through this, we, uh, this parable, through this story, we pulled this big idea that, that faithful people don't maintain, faithful people multiply. And and if you missed any of the messages previous to this, you definitely want to go back and listen to them um, because it's really going. It it just keeps building on itself. And so, go back to week one if you missed it. Go back to week two on the podcast or on the website and listen to the messages um, uh, because they're um, they're really foundational. I think for where we're going, even for this year. but this morning, we're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about uh, that one thing that everybody loves to hate. Everybody loves it when it's in their pocket. Everybody hates when they talk about it in church, though. But I think this is the place we need to talk about it most. I think that if we're going to follow God's way of life, we also need to follow God's way of life in, the, in our finances. We've got to follow God's way of life in our marriage. We've got to follow God's way of life in our families. No matter what we're facing uh, we can't just take one area of our life and push it out of the way. And, and this is really an important topic uh, for obvious reasons, even if you're not a Jesus follower here today. It's, it's, it's important to, to know what you're doing with, with money, with your wealth, with finances. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So uh, speaking about money, I want you to imagine something. Okay, I want you to imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and, all, and you have this new checking account, and in this checking account is all of the money that you've wasted your entire life. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot, right? You're like, and, and when I say wasted, let me define it. I, when, I'm, when I say wasted, I mean like money that you've bad-habited away, uh, money that you've consumer-debted away. Um, you may still have that thing, you may still not. Who knows? Who uh, knows? The, the things that you've, whatever happened to that thing away, you know what I'm talking about? Like, wait a second, whatever, you're going to go home and think about one of those today. Uh, um, lady, this is for you, the, the you only wore it once away, like it looked better on somebody else than, it, than you thought it did on you, and so it's still hanging in your closet now. Husbands, be careful, I, just, I saw a couple looks just now, watch out, um, you know, I could go on and on, but but imagine you wake up one morning and you have this checking account with all of the money that you've ever wasted. But here's the catch. The only thing you could do with that money was give it away. You could give it away immediately or you could give it away over time. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be fun just to have that, that, that checking account for all that money that you've wasted and, and, you, and you could just give it away however you want? I, I think it would be uh, pretty, pretty fun. So hang on to that thought. We're going to come back to it in a minute. The title of the message today is Win With Wealth. Win, because I want you to win with your wealth. I want you to, because uh, all of us have something. We have, we have something, um, you know, it, it, and if you don't, you will at some point. And I want you to win with it. So if you would, flip over with me to Matthew chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. You can follow along here in your message notes as well. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this passage here is an excerpt from... uh, Probably Jesus' most well-known sermon, his most well-known teaching that he ever did. It's actually the longest recorded, um, unbroken teaching time of Jesus in the Bible. And this is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it covers uh, three, or four different, three or four chapters in your Bible. And it, and it happened very early on in Jesus' ministry this part that we're reading about. And, and in this time, in it, early in his ministry, he's, he's about 30-something years old, scholars would say, and he, introdu- he, ta- he starts introducing in the Sermon on the Mount some topics that really challenged the thinking and the way of life of the Jews that he was talking to at the time, including the religious leaders of the day. And so, you know, see, Jesus, he had no problem shaking it up. Like, he had no problem standing up and, and, and just shaking, shaking everybody's worldview for a little bit. And so he would begin teaching on some subjects that the people and the religious leaders, they thought they knew very well. You know, like, the religious leaders that he was spending time with, in order to get to the position that they were in, they'd have to have, some, they're, they're, they'd have, to have these things memorized. And, he, and Jesus is talking about these things, and, but, but then he would throw them a curveball. And he would pose it like this. He'd say, think about this subject. You've heard it taught this way, but I actually want you to think about it this way instead. To the point that some of the points that he was making, uh, it actually left people amazed because he, he taught, it says in the Bible, he taught as one that had authority. Be- obviously because he did, but they didn't recognize it at the time. But he would take a simple thought that, pe- that people thought they knew well, and he would turn it, he would throw them just a little bit of a curveball and say, I want you to think about it this way instead. I'm gonna be very upfront and honest with you today. I hope I can do the same thing on this topic. I hope I can take your view of finances and money and make it something that's not so dirty and not so nasty and not so evil and I can turn it to where it's actually a tool for you to use and not a master for you to serve this morning. And I hope you can think about it in a way that you've never thought about it before. So here's the big thought today. Here's the big thought. Don't just... Be generous, live generous. I don't want you to just be generous, I want you to live generous. And yes, for all of you grammar police that are in the crowd today, it should read live generously, but I left that off intentionally because I want to contrast the difference of these two things this morning, between being generous and living generous. You know, all of us know how to live generous in the moment, Right, Like all of us know, all, of, all it takes is a little bit of emotion and some spontaneity, right? And we can, we can have a generous moment. We've all felt bad for the family on the corner of downtown Richmond or Lexington that are obviously in a tough spot, and so we pull out a couple bucks and give it to them. We've all been there. We've all had our heartstrings tugged on. We all know how to be generous in the moment, but I don't want you to be generous. I want you to live generous, I, I, and, and i 'm not talking about how to give i don't want to t- 'm not teaching you how to give this morning because everybody knows how to give. Part of the problem that that Americans really uh, confuse generosity with what I might call random acts of giving. Americans will confuse generosity with random acts of giving, but but random acts of giving is not generosity. Random acts of giving is random acts of giving, and so the way, the way to really understand the difference to this, I'm going to break it down like this, is, uh, is kind of like how we all consider ourselves good people. If I was to ask you this morning, are you a good person? You'd say, well, yeah, I'm a, I, I think I'm a good person. And, and then if I were to challenge you and I were to say, well, I don't think you are a good person. Here's what you would do. You would immediately tell me about something that you did good. Right, whether it be a week ago or a or a month ago, well, I did this though. I'm yeah, I'm a good person. I did this, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna press you a little bit today. Okay, I'm gonna press you just a little bit to try to convince you that that you aren't really generous, even though you're doing random acts of giving. And when I press you. You're going to think about a time that you had a random act of giving, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're going to talk. We're talking about how to live generous. Live generous. Okay. So um, this morning, uh, put your put your belt on, strap up. We're going to hop into this topic, okay? Because I think our confusion regarding generosity is really fueled by four generosity myths. There's four myths that Americans <clears throat> buy into when it comes to generosity. The first one being. that generosity is spontaneous. That's the first myth. Generosity is spontaneous. You know, generosity is not spontaneous. Like, spontaneity is spontaneous. Giving spontaneously doesn't make you generous, and here's why. Because even greedy people give spontaneously when they think it's going to benefit them. Spontaneous giving is not generosity. Like, Spontaneous giving is, is is very emotional. Like I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, but this is not how you live generous lives. Spontaneous giving is very emotional, which is which is why um, you wake up after sleeping on the couch uh, about ten years back, and you wake up at two a.m. to that Sir McLaughlin song on the TV. In the arms of the angels. You know what I'm talking about? you got crying puppies on the screen and like, you're like, I, don't even, I didn't even know dogs could cry, but somehow they do. And, and you're just like, I just want to give to it. That is spontaneous giving. That's, that is emotional. And, and it's pulling on your heartstrings. It, 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 this is spontaneous giving. But generosity is not necessarily spontaneous. Second myth I think that Americans will buy into is that generosity is primarily regulated by cash flow. That's, that's false. When, when someone asks you to give something and what you do immediately is you think about how much money is in my wallet or how much money is in my checking account or how much money I have access to immediately. And so when you say, I don't, I, I don't know, I, when, you, when you see you don't really have access to immediate money, immediate finances, you say, well, uh, I'm sorry, I really don't have anything to give right now, which means that your context for giving, for generosity, was what you had right there in the moment or in your checking account. You want, like, you wanted to help. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that. You, you wanted to help. Your heart was in the right place, but you didn't have it available at the time. What you had in the moment just determined what you could give. And, and people, that, people that live generous, this is why it's important. People that live generous, they avoid that predicament. They avoid that. And, and we're going to talk about why in just a minute. Third myth Third myth is that the, the amount is what counts. The amount is what counts. You know, this is totally false, 100% false, you, because you can't understand dollars without a context. You can't understand, like someone says, I gave a $1,000. Listen, that might be, without context, that could be sacrificial giving to them, or that could be what they're planning on spending on dinner the next night, we can't, we can't, the amount is not what, what counts. You never just know without, without context, we don't know what's a lot. We don't know what's a little because zeros are emotional. You know what I mean? Like the more zeros on the end of that check or the more zeros in your bank account. And our emotions are just a little bit more, more heightened. And so the amount is not what counts. We, we know what is a lot or little to us but we don't know what's a lot or little to someone else. We we don't know what context someone else gave out of. We only know what context we give out of. And so we're basing our generosity on the amount, but generosity is not about the amount. The amount is not what counts. And this is an important point. Jesus actually addressed this directly. Um, Jesus took his... There's a moment where... um, people were going up to the temple treasury, and they had to climb these stairs to get there, and they're dropping their ties um, in in the box, and Jesus took his disciples, and he stood back, and he said, hey, I just want to stand here for a moment, and I just want to watch. I just want to watch what's going on. And Luke chapter 21, we find this story that says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich. Now... You know, you can tell who really a lot of times was rich back then by the way they dressed, who they were around. He said he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And and, and this lady dropped in two coins. And and then it says, uh, truly... I tell you, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. The implication here, the word all means that all of the others combined. Jesus said, This widow has put in more than all of these other people possibly combined. And, and his disciples, if I was one, I'd say, What kind of math is that? Like that's that's crazy to me but it would be kingdom math. It would be the kingdom of of God math because God is not impressed by amounts. God is moved by percentages. So so, uh, verse four says, all of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty in all that she had to live on. She was the most generous person at the temple that day. With two small copper coins, because the amount is not what counts. And then the fourth, uh, the fourth myth here is that um, rich people are generous. That's, that's, a, that's not true. No, they're not. Rich people, here, I'll explain it like this. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous, but the two aren't necessarily the same. In all actuality, in most cases, poor people are far more generous than rich people. Poor people are because because they they aren't trying to save themselves out of poverty. Like, they're, they, they're just trying to survive. And in their minds, it's virtually impossible to save themselves out of poverty. So they're very dialed in to people that are struggling and living on the edge because they're also living on the edge. They're also struggling. And, and they think that, you know, if I help this person now, when my time comes, maybe they're, they'll, they'll be able to help me when I need it. And so when it comes to generosity, the way that we are talking about and, and the way that your Heavenly Father measures generosity, you know, many times poor people are much more generous than rich people. So generous living, what, is it, what does it look like? What does it look like? And I'm going to push hard on this because it is, it is so important, especially if you're a Jesus follower. You, you can't do it without this. You can't Live for Jesus without this and, and listen if you're not a Jesus follower this morning there's something that you can that, that is to be learned here but if you're a Jesus follower you've got to get this right like you've got to and let me just preface this by saying uh, for some people this is going to require an adjustment this is going to require uh, uh, some movement from you like some changing of things um, this, is, this is easy for me to stand up here and, and to be able to speak to this because i 've been doing this for over a decade, and and when I first became a Christian, somebody taught me about about generous living right off the bat, and so i didn 't have to change anything because I, when I first started making money, like I came into this thing with 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 the with the, the, the knowing of this is how Jesus wants me to handle my money. So I came into this thing knowing that if I get paid, I'm going to take the first 10% off of the top and I'm going to give it to, to my church. I didn't have to change anything because I'd never earned any money before. So I, I, I know it's going to be, it's easy for me, but I know that for some of you this is going to require an adjustment. I'm telling you, if, if you will do what I'm about to tell you, If you'll do it, you will be glad that you did. You'll be glad that you did it. All right, so uh, generous living. Let's talk about generous living. What does it look like? I've got three points this morning about generous living. Number one, generous living is premeditated. Generous living is premeditated. Meaning in order to live generous, you have to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. I don't care how much or how little money you have, this still applies to you. You've got to have a plan. And listen, if you, if you don't have a plan, you will not and cannot be generous. You might confuse generosity with random acts of giving, but it's impossible to be a generous person without a plan because without a plan, you don't know. You just have no clue. You've got no clue your capacity to be able to give. You've got no clue if you don't have a plan. Without a plan, you're gonna be what I call a, a triple S giver. You're gonna be spontaneous, you're gonna be sporadic, and you're gonna be sparing. Because you you'll never give as much as you can actually give without a plan. You might feel the strain of giving sometimes, but you're never going to maximize the amount that you're able to give without a plan. And listen, I'm not just talking about to the church. I'm talking about in your everyday life. You can't just be generous on Sundays and hope that that's enough. You've got to live that way. You've got to live there seven days in a week. You can't be generous, though, truly without a plan. There's a book written by a guy named Ron Blue years back um, called Master Your Money, and in this book, Ron, this guy Ron Blue said there, there's basically only five things that you can do with your money. Um, uh, you could you could spend it, you could repay debt, you can pay taxes, you can save it, and you can give it. There's really just five things, and and, and as you read through these, as this is really the order as you're looking a lot, that most of us live in and this is really also the order that most of us give in. You spend it, you repay debt, you pay taxes, you save it and then you give it. But that really, that really amounts to this that um, you spend it, it would be uh, me first, creditor second but really me because what did you get a loan on something for yourself, government third, me fourth, and then others last. Now listen, if you're not a person of faith this morning, you this is something you should think about. It might be a little incriminating to you. You say, oh, I'm a generous person. No, if, if giving is last, um, you're not really a generous person. Leave that slide up there if you will. If If giving is last, you're not really... Um, a generous person because you put yourself ahead of everybody else. If, if, if you aren't a, a person of faith, you know, hey, take this, do what you want with it, okay? You can, you can listen to it. You can do what you want. But listen, if you are a Jesus follower, you can't live like this. You can't live like this. If this is a reflection of your money, I'm going to press If this is a reflection of money, you're not following Jesus. You're not following You may listen, you may be offended that I said that. That's okay. But if you think I'm being hard on you, (laughs) I just want you to read the gospels, okay? I'm I'm taking it easy compared to what Jesus said on the topic. Because you you can't follow Jesus if others are last in any capacity. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about are you looking for ways to get to the end of the line rather than the front of the line? Like, I'm, are, you, are you looking for ways to help promote other people forward rather than self-promoting? Like, you can't follow Jesus if others are last in any capacity of your life. Because the whole idea of following Jesus put, is following Jesus puts others first because he put you first. And this is why Jesus said so much about money and why I'm even talking about money today. Because money, and, uh, for some of us, and food, money is the key to your heart. And this is why Jesus said in our uh, first scripture that Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is. And where your heart is, your treasure is going to be. Jesus didn't need people's money. Jesus, he wasn't even even really around long enough to spend a lot of it. He just understood the power of money. He understood that if his father's kingdom was going to be first in our everyday practical lives, that his father's kingdom has to be first in our everyday practical finances. We're called to be others' first people. We're called to be others' first people. It doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter how much you fast. It doesn't matter how much you serve. And it doesn't matter how much you feel. If others are last in any capacity of your life, including in the way that we manage our money, we can't call ourselves other people others' first people. So if you're a Christian, you've got to reverse that order. You've got to reverse this order. Okay, I'm moving on. Are you glad? <laughs> number two. Number two: generous people, generous living is calculated. Living generous is calculated. Generous people predecide. They predecide. That's what calculated means. Generous people, they don't wait to be asked. They, they have predecided. They have predecided a, a percentage, and percentage is better than amount. Because it rises and falls as your income does. Generous people have predecided a percentage and they've set it aside. Like, it's as good as given. This amount of my money, this percentage of my money is as good as given. And now they're just hanging on to it, waiting for an opportunity to give. See, when... When money comes to me, this is the way that I live because this is is what we believe. That when money comes to me, I immediately give a percentage to the things that I feel called to give to. And I want it to be given first. I want that to be the first thing out out of every check that I get. I want it to be given first Because Jesus said this, and he was actually talking about money in this passage. You know, we love to quote this verse, but we we always forget the context. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. So generous people, they have a plan and they've pre-decided what percentage of, of what amount of money they're giving. And listen, that money's as good as given. And it's just sitting there. So let me tell you this. No matter how much money you make. If, 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 now listen, if you're, if you're right now, you're looking for a job, things are upside down, please take this in context. I'm not telling you give yourselves dry, anything like that. But for most of us, to have a, a, a plan and to have picked a percentage um, to, to, and to choose where that percentage goes. Like, take your money, know the amount, pick a percentage, put it aside, and choose where it goes. This is going to put the fun in funding. Like This is going to be enjoyable for you. It will bring the joy of giving, and it will bring the joy to your life. Because giving first... Giving first is a keystone habit. That means that if you give first, if you, if you make this a habit in your life, it will transform every other area that it touches. Like if you give first in your life financially, it will change the way that you manage money and it will be better. It'll, everything else will have to build around it. And listen, not to mention, you'll never miss the money that you give away. I've never missed a dollar that I've given away. I've never wanted it back. I've never had buyer's remorse. I've never regretted my decision to give it away. And you won't either. Number three, living generous is designated. Designated. So generous living is is. Uh, premeditated it is calculated and it is designated meaning generous people have already decided ahead of time where they're going to be uh, where where they're going to um, be allocating their they giving money to generous people don't have to be asked they're proactive they proactively decide where they're going to give their money now, now, this doesn't mean you don't like give sporadically or spontaneously. It doesn't mean uh, this is like the add-on giving. Like sporad- sporadic and spontaneous giving, that's just add-ons to what you get to do here, that you get to have a plan on top of this designated money. And, and here's the tip. Here's the tip I can give you for when it comes to designated giving. Always give from a grateful heart and a broken heart. Always give from a grateful heart. In a, in a broken heart. You need, to, um, you need to ask yourself as an individual or maybe um, your, your spouse as a couple or if your kids are old enough, this is really great to bring them into. Bring them together. Bring them around the table and ask. Let them participate and ask these, ask these questions. The first question, what are we grateful for? What are we as a family grateful for? Or if you're single today, what am I as an individual grateful grateful for. This, is, this has everything to do with what has benefited you. So what are things that are, that are coming your way and you're so grateful for that that you want to donate to whatever organization that has benefited you or your kids or your family? And this is why, listen, if this, this is why if you're grateful for your local church, you should have a plan to give to your local church. If you're grateful for your local church, you should have a plan for giving to your local church. Well, the church just wants my money, or, you, or maybe oh, the church doesn't need anything of mine. It's, it's, this is not about need. This is about gratitude. If you're, if you're grateful, are you grateful for your local church? Because, because I'm going to say this. Gratitude that's not expressed is ingratitude. Gratitude not expressed is ingratitude because nobody cares about the gratitude that's in your heart. Your, your family doesn't, your spouse doesn't, your kids don't. They want you to express it. And, and, and gratitude not expressed is, is ingratitude, it's, it's ungrateful. So, are you grateful for your local church? And you don't have a plan to give. Now, I'm not just talking about this church. I'm, I mean, I'm not shy about this. I believe everybody should have a plan for how they support their local church financially. I think everybody should have a plan for that, and that's not because I'm the pastor of the church or I have to say this or I want to get rich off your tithes and offerings. This is because grateful people give. Great, and if you're grateful for your local church, you should give there. And I'll say this, if you're if you're If you're not grateful for your local church, go find one that you are grateful for and give there. I'm not just talking about some of you. I'm talking about anywhere. And I'll take it a little further. If you're you're grown and your children or your grandchildren have grown up and they left home and they go to college somewhere and they find a local church that they absolutely love and they're plugged in there and they're serving Jesus there, you you should make a plan to give there too. You should make a plan to support that church too because aren't you grateful that in some of the most formative years of their life, they've found a place that they can call home that can help guide them and teach them and shape them when you're not around. If you're grateful, then give. You should ask the question, what are we grateful for? And then you should ask the question also, what breaks our heart? What breaks our heart? What is it that when you, when you see it, when you hear about it, when you read about it? What is it that tugs at your heartstrings? You should find a way to contribute to that cause. Like the things that break your heart, you should find a way to contribute. You should find a way to to be part of the solution. Find an organization that is solving the problems that break your heart and partner with them. Financially, write them a letter and say, You can count on this amount coming in every single month because I believe in what you're doing. And if there is no organization that's solving the problem that breaks your heart, start one. Start it. There's a reason it breaks your heart. If you can't find other people that are doing it that you can contribute to, start it yourself. Guys, I want you to win with your wealth. I want you to be able to stand before God one day and say, I did everything that I could do to represent you well on earth and I was faithful with everything that you gave me. And so if you're going to win, here's, a, here's just a really simple way to reorganize your finances. We saw the, the five of the ways that we usually organize it. Here's a simple way to, to reorganize your finances so you can live generous. You give first, you save second, and then you live on the rest. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. Imagine if this had been your lifestyle since you got your first job. Wow. Imagine if you had picked a percentage, whether it was $10 or $50 a week or, or, or whatever, imagine how much money that you would have responsibly given to the things that you believed in and were passionate about. Do you know where all that money went that you didn't give away? No, you don't know. You don't have anything to show for it. We don't have anything to show for it. Most of the time, when we w- with our money, we've got nothing to show for it. I, and, and I don't want you to live another season of your life that way. I don't want you to live another season of your life that way. And it isn't because I want your money or the church wants your money. Listen, I'm your pastor. And I'm responsible for more than just stewarding this organization. Guys, I'm responsible for your discipleship. And I'm responsible to help you follow Jesus to the best of your ability. And how we manage our money is a key ingredient to how well we follow Jesus. So I'm challenging you this morning to begin to live generous. Not just being generous with random acts of giving, but to live generous. Jesus said, store up your treasure where nothing else can steal it. Store up your treasure in heaven. And every, every dollar that you give, and he was talking about money there. Every dollar that you give to make a difference in the life of someone else is going to be waiting for you on the other side of this life. Jesus said, store up your riches there. Don't, don't squander them here. So back to where we started. Imagine if you had that checking account all the good you would do and all the good you could do and you know you're generous in your heart because you couldn't when I said that you couldn't you were already thinking about ways you could give it away like you're the people that take the lottery ticket and say say, if I win this I know where the first part's going I'm taking care of my family I'm taking care of all those people that helped me I'm doing all this I'm supporting my local church you're generous I know you got generous hearts but imagine if you had that checking account and and, you, and today you're sitting here and you're saying, "I wish I could do more. I just wish I could do more. I wish I had that checking account. I wish I could do more." Maybe after today's message you're not. Wishing, you're not so sure about that anymore. But, but listen to me, if you wish you could do more, you probably can do more. not just to the church. I'm talking about in your life living generous because you know you have no idea what your giving capacity is until you have a plan. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.